Warriors, Warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. Welcome to another edition of the RJ Ringside Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, joined today with Adam Hill, as well as Eric Nisik from Extreme Couture. He's the MMA coach and gym manager there at Extreme Couture MMA in Las Vegas and was also working with Francis Ngannou ahead of the now-canceled UFC 249. So we are going to say first hello, Eric, and welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to talk to you. I'm so glad to have you here, man. I mean, uh, we have to also shout a word out to our sponsor, betonline.ag. And uh, we have to also talk about this cancellation here with UFC 249. I mean, it was something that the UFC was really, really trying to keep out there. Dana White was doing, I think, everything that he could. And all of a sudden now, Adam, uh, I, I like that your tweet that you put up just yesterday <laughs> about now like uh, MMA Twitter is a crazy place. Recap if you're new. Media. Fighters should get paid more and have more say over their careers. Media. UFC should find a way to postpone fights until safe but still compensate fighters. MMA fans. Why is the media trying to take food <laughs> off the fighters' plates? I mean, <laughs> that about sums up uh, everything here, but it's been a whirlwind of the last 24 hours, Adam. What can you break down for us about what you know about this cancellation? I mean, I don't even know where to start. It's just so crazy. <laughs> like th- This this whole time, and, and I'm, I'm glad that Eric's here because he could share – the perspective from kind of inside the the camp of somebody trying to get ready without even knowing there's a fight that's happening. Uh, but from our perspective, it was just, okay, we have sports to cover and we're going to go cover them. Regardless of our feelings of whether they should happen or not, uh, there's something happening and people need to know about it. And uh, part of the media's job is not just, you know, I know that the UFC and, and MMA people in general feel the media's job is to do PR work for them. That is not the case. It's to inform the public. It's to highlight certainly some of the fighters and and tell their stories, but also kind of, you know, to speak truth to power and say, hey, listen, this is what's happening. They're trying to do this and this is what's going on in the world and, and all those other things. So um, I, I think while the media took a huge hit from some of the powers in the sport this week, I think the media also did a, a good job of of gathering information and tracking down information and and letting people know what was going on and I think there was there's a lot of stories there to tell but in the end the UFC tried to kind of run a run an end around regulation uh, even though part of what they've said for the last 15 years is hey we're the most highly regulated sport there is out there which is true to some degree but in this case they were trying to run an end around that and, and try to get something done I, I was excited to watch it I as much as I think. You know, there was a lot of questions about how it was going to be done. I was very excited to see fights and actually write about fights again. Uh, but in the end, you know, the powers in the world, not just in the sport, uh, kind of, uh, you know, stepped in and, and calmer heads prevailed, I guess, uh, in terms of not having this fight and having it on an Indian reservation that was a closed casino and all those other crazy things. But uh, I do want to get into uh, to Eric's side of this because, Eric, what what is it like? You've prepared fighters for fights all over the world, different circumstances, short notice, uh, up against the world, and all these other things. But this had to be the, the most unique experience of your life. Yeah, very much so. Um, and it, again, it, it kind of goes to the fact of us in our in the fight game that we have to adapt. And this is something that obviously was uh, the biggest adaptation to any camp we've ever had to have. 
but I welcomed it, you know, and it's something that I think that we will um, be better for. Um, and through those experiences, I think it made our bond, Francis and I, stronger. So I, I just, it, it, where we're at now, I just got to take all the positives out of this situation and know that, you know, we're going, it's sweat equity for later on and, and when we do get a fight. Did you, did you personally have hesitation about it? Um, not personally. I, I think for me, and you, you guys know me pretty well. I've known you guys for a long time. I just try to stay focused on the task at hand, which was preparing Francis to be the best fighter that we can, we can produce. And that tunnel vision just kept my focus and drive. Although there was so many things on the outside that I was, I was, you know, I was worried about, but I just, I just kind of just maintained that focus, and I, I felt that all the cards were going to fall where they may, and and we were going to be safe, and we were going to go out and perform, and then get home safely. So, you know, that that's really all I could do because I know that if I stay positive and my focus remains the same, then then Francis is going to feel the same way. If I'm nervous and I feel a certain way, then that's going to reflect on my fighter as well. So I had to, I had to be the constant. Um, control of my emotions and and make sure that francis felt that he was going to be safe and we were going to be the the best product we can we can develop and and be in the cage now this is the second time for francis though that this fight has been postponed here uh what's his mindset been like i mean he seems like a pretty positive type person uh, he put on twitter that you know he was happy and proud of his dedication and commitment and so what what do you what have you gathered from what francis has been like in his mindset same, you know, we spoke last night and, um, you know, he, he sent me a nice text that, you know, I, it actually kind of brought tears in my eyes just because he, he, he took the, the betterment of what we did and those 11 weeks weren't wasted. You know, we, I felt like I saw the best Francis Ngannou that I've ever seen, you know, and he bought into uh, our vision. He bought into what we wanted to accomplish as far as a training camp goes and how we wanted to uh, better ourselves as MMA fighters for the future. You know, he's a guy that arguably is is next in line for a title fight and possibly should be fighting for that title. But we knew that there was holes in our game that we we had to fill, and we did those during this training camp. So you know, the time wasn't uh, wasted by any means. And I think that's, that's where he's seeing. He's like, man, I, I really enjoyed this camp, and I feel like I have a championship team around me now. So – all really isn't wasted, and and I'm very happy with that with it with this outlook on on the situation. There's things we just can't control, and you know we did the best that we could with what we had. The UFC says the fight's not canceled; it's postponed. Correct. You guys, you guys don't have any idea when that could be, right? Not a, not a clue, not a clue. And and you're right, and then that's the terminology that we keep getting is is postponed and not canceled. Um, so it, it's almost like that cliffhanger, man. You're waiting for you're waiting for season two. You're waiting for season three, and you just keep you keep logging in, waiting for uh, for the outcome. And that that in a way is is kind of a is a blessing because it keeps you focused. You you, you don't want to show up unprepared, and that really that mindset just keeps you working every day. So what what are you going to do? Are you going to keep going? Are you going to tell them to take a break, or what's the plan? I'm I'm here right now. You know, I'm here at the gym right now. You know, and he actually wrote me this morning. He said, "Hey, man, like, are are you going in today?" And I said, "I'm going in, bro. I'm going to be there." Um, that this keeps normalcy in my life. I told him, I said, "Hey, I, I think you should take a day off." He sparred really hard uh, Saturday, Tuesday, and Thursday. We we sparred with uh, Bogoy Ivanov, 
And I said, Hey man, take the day off. Your body can use the rest, but, um, let's get back in here tomorrow and, and get back to work. And, uh, that's, that's just, that, that's really the only mindset that I could have right now. Adam is, is, is just hard work. How long could you stay in camp for? Um, I, I, I think, mean, because, because what I'm saying, I guess, like everybody's always training. We know, we know that, but like when you're preparing for a fight, it's different. Like, how long could you go, knowing like we don't know when the date might be? So if they if they could come out and say it's three months from now, you can't keep training hard for that time. You're you're right, but uh, the one thing too, as as far as what we've uh, done, has been establish this cardio base for him that you guys. I can't wait for you guys to see. Like he's really bought into the MMA cardio rounds that we put in, and I mean the way he's able to gas pedal um, is is going to be a new wrinkle in in Francis's game. So I don't want to lose that. Especially if you take a week off, man, it's going to be hard to come back and and keep that same pace and rebuild. Um, I mean, a week's not going to hurt, but at the same time, you know, there's there's really nothing else to do other than quarantine, and then myself and him coming into the gym and at least keeping that cardio base. As far as the fight goes, it's hard. To, it's hard to remain focused when there's no there's no finish line. You don't see a finish line in sight. You just keep running, you know. So um, I I have to pull the reins back a little bit. I get that. I, I know that you know the the end of this all is to be able to fight and showcase. So taking a couple of days off isn't going to hurt. I think that's probably a good reset. In the sense of structure, do you find it hard to try to pull the reins back, though, on certain people? Because you know that, like, you know, we're talking about just quarantine and what people are doing at home. And you can't really stop them from working out at home. You can't stop them from going and, you know, bringing a tractor tire into their backyard and slaying it, you know, (laughs) on a day to day basis. So how do you try to... from your end, try to keep fighters from overtraining so that let's say they re-up in May and they're like, hey, are you guys ready to go? I mean, obviously he'll be ready to go, but will there be any sense of, wow, he is really overpeaked at this point? Well, I mean, I, I think I just just being um, uh, underneath Randy Couture, I, I've never really felt the overtraining has been been something that's been a big deal. Um, I, I feel like, you know, you, you should be able to kind of redline where you're at and know where you're at, but the way we are, the way we're built, we have to stay active. We have to keep our mind working at some capacity, uh, whether you're doing your mental reps or you're getting in the garage and kind of doing exactly what you said, Heidi, by hitting the tire, or hitting the bag or doing something because it does release that dopamine. It does keep you um, sharp on your skill set. So, you know, I don't think these guys are going to be really overtrained at all by by doing what they're doing in the garage now in the gym. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We can you can overtrain by having too many practices, too many sparring sessions, but what they're doing at home, I think, is going to be perfectly fine for, especially for their mental state. How how different? How different is uh, training right now during the the way the world is? Like, how different is your gym and, and camps in general? You know, Adam, it sucks, man. Because um, you guys have been in here, man. My heart and soul is built in this gym. I've been here since two thousand and seven. And I came here because I wanted to be a part of a team. I wanted to be a part of a unit um, that's working together to achieve a common goal. You know, I get that this sport is an individual sport once the cage door closes. But, you know, we're only as good as each other and the team that we have uh, surrounded by us. And that's what I truly miss the most. I think part of me just keeps coming in every day just because I I, want to feel that energy. No one's in here, but, you know, the, the walls talk to you, man, like, when you walk in this gym, you see a big canvas on the back wall with Jay Haran's blood all over the thing. And that's been there since day one. And that's kind of our mantelpiece and our mantra. So for me coming into the gym every day, um, it gives me a little bit of a sense of normalcy, I guess. And 
I, I, I feel bad saying it because I'm the only one that's really coming in and the rest of the team and the guys don't, don't have that. But man, it, it's just, it's just part of my heart and soul and I got to be in here. All right, guys, on that note, we'll go ahead, step away and hear a word from our sponsor. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. For a lot of the fighters that really kind of started, you know, pouring their heart and souls into preparing for this fight and who were definitely working out at all cause like a guy like Gaethje, for instance, who took this fight, uh, Tony Ferguson on short notice. I mean, uh, you know that he's a guy that's full steam ahead. When you start thinking about everything that the fighters poured into it, uh, what have you heard as far as, you know, compensation, how the UFC is going to handle taking care of the fighters and these guys like yourselves that have been putting so much into camps for guys with a now canceled card? Uh, what kind of, I guess, compensation do you get on that end from the, the company? Well, um, you know, Adam and I talked about this a few days ago. I think it's something that should have happened from the beginning. You know, I think it's just, it, it should have been something that happened when everything started to get canceled. Anybody that was on a card that was canceled should have probably just got their show money or some sort of compensation towards that show money. And what it would have done was just relieve a lot of this stress. We shouldn't have been in here training. You know, we should have been quarantined, but the circumstances that we were put in forced us to come in and make sure we were staying in shape, make sure that we were um, putting the best product in the cage. And when you think about a billion dollar company, you think about some, you know, they, 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 they very well could have just said, hey, guys, look, take the time off. We're going to take care of you guys financially, even if that's back pay for when you do fight. Um, they could have done that. So, you know, we're a small company here at Extreme Couture. And I'm very proud of the fact that we were able to pay all of our 1099 employees uh, 30 days in advance. And that was something that Randy took, um, took like, where he wanted to take care of these guys. And you can't tell me that the UFC couldn't have done the same thing, right? I mean, that's something that I think should have been handled a lot sooner. And it wasn't. But, you know, the way, the way things are stacked for us, we get paid by fighting. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we had to do. So, you know, it, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they get compensated. Um, again, like, that doesn't mean the coaches get compensated. Mm-hmm. That means the fighters do, you know. So um, the fighters get compensated. I'm sure Francis is going to, you know, break, off, break me off something for the camp or whatever we did for time. I get all that stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's completely up to the fighters and, and between the UFC. So as far as you know, I mean, we heard the announcement that the fighters are going to get taken care of. But we don't have specifics on that yet, right? No, nothing, nothing at all. We don't know what that means. So uh, it, you, you can, you, it, it, I don't know what a lot of the contracts look like, but if you're going to pay a guy their show money, you know, if you're at the top end of that card, if you're Gaethje, who knows what he signed for? He might have just done a flat, a flat amount. He might have said, "Hey, I'll fight for half a million. I don't know. I don't know those numbers and and what they're going to do. Um, what what does make sense is is kind of what I was alluding to earlier: is hey, pay them their show money, and if you know if you have to 
back pay them for the when they do fight or or that 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 gets taken out for when they do fight then deal with it then but you know giving these guys something on the front end and telling them to stay safe and and take care of themselves i think would have been uh the better the best opportunity for them as a company hey go go through this whole go through this whole process how much how much did you guys know like how much did you guys know about what was going on with the planning absolutely zero we didn't know anything we didn't know we didn't know it. I think we, you and I were talking, Adam, kind of like, well, what, what have you heard? And I'm like, I haven't heard anything. What have you heard? Well, I haven't heard anything either. And that was, that was it. And it, and it was, it was almost kind of a, a kind of fun. You know, I, I had like a, almost like a special forces military vibe to it where we don't know where we're going or what the mission is, but they're going to parachute us in and we're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was it, man, that we didn't know anything. I'm picturing you and Adam, uh, you know, jumping out of a plane and parachuting into uh, this private island that reportedly <laughs> was not where the fights were going to be held at all. It was actually going to be Tachi Palace in Lemoore, uh, California, which is a home of some good fight cards from back in the day. And I'm sure, um, you know, we had guys like John Alessio on those cards that I'm sure you're familiar with, Eric. So, I mean, uh, when, you know, all is said and done, I think the UC was just trying to protect uh, the fight hard from really being destroyed because like we were saying earlier when we we're talking about this like if anybody had found out the actual location uh, the California Commission could have shut it down or whoever uh, other you know, governing entities are around that could say hey you guys can't hold this fight card but when you think about logistics if they were had to be able to put it together I mean were they telling you anything like hey uh, there can only be two corners and they each have to stand on octagon post sides of each other or like how logistically could you imagine this would have worked out or were there any guidelines in place? Honestly, the only thing that we were told and that I heard about this where uh, myself, coach Dewey and Francis were going to get uh, tested for COVID-19 that they're going to send out a kit. And um, you know, even, even, even that alone, Adam and I were talking about um, on the phone what what logistics are there? Like, is it like USADA? Is somebody going to come test us? What if they just hand me the kit and I have my kit take the test? Like, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, and, and and that's all we were told was, hey, they're they're going to send you send you a kit. Then they asked for my flight information, and I said, well, where are we flying to? Maybe I want to drive. Oh, can't tell you. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! Oh, what we, you, we, we literally knew nothing. <laughs> do you uh, do you guys want to fight on the island? I, you know me, Adam. I'll fight anywhere, man. You can you can sit in my gym right now. Like we can lock it up and go. So I don't care where it's at. Island. You can be an underwater city. I don't care. Just put it somewhere and let us scrap. You know, and we'll, we'll be ready to go. We we talked about this, right. but I, I want you to tell uh, the listeners too. Like, what were the special preparations you were making for fighting in an empty arena? Um. Really, just you know, usually when we spar, and you guys have been in the gym during sparring sessions. Uh, it's a vibe, man. Like the music's pumping, you're screaming over top of everybody. And that's the kind of environment you want to set um, in the background because it's it's a little bit of chaos. And you have to be able to control that chaos as a fighter. You have to be able to hear your coach's voice cutting through a crowd and being able to identify all that stuff. And really, we just flipped the script. I mean, we were sparring in dead silence. So what, what we'll do is like we'll walk out, cue Francis's walkout music. We'll walk out. 
just like it would be a fight. And then the music would kick off. And it was just, I was actually joking around yesterday, like when, when we saw the clip of Mick Maynard, you know, clapping and going, woo, like just like that. And I go, all right, guys. And then I just yelled, um, you know, to the death. And I hit the, hit the clock and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, Eric, we certainly have appreciated you coming on today to kind of break down uh, things about this cancellation with the UFC 249. And uh, obviously, none of us know when the fight cards will start coming back together. But man, I mean, uh, like you said, just trying to keep normalcy for some of these fighters is doing exactly like the things that you've been talking about. And I love getting your perspective on here. And thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Larry Mir also wanted to say he's usually on the show as well, but he uh, is doing some live stream right now that he can't step away from so he he wanted to say what's up and uh, yeah man so we're Um, giving larry a virtual shout out real real quick too i just wanted to add that i feel that from what i've seen from the mma media they have asked the right questions in helping us as fighters and coaches the questions i think that a lot of us were afraid to ask they were asking on our behalf they were trying to help they were trying to communicate the right thing across. And for, you know, Luke Thomas wrote me yesterday and it was almost like an apology. Like he felt that, you know, he's been, he's been in trouble with, with MMA, um, the fighters and coaches and things like that. I don't know. I don't, I didn't really understand the backlash, but everything that I saw Luke do was to benefit the fighters and the coaches as so much so that he actually had um, a tax person come on and try to help uh, explain the values of getting these loans and for for independent contractors. So what I've seen from the MMA media for the for the most part, the majority has been helpful and has been having our backs and actually speaking up and trying to alleviate some of the stresses I think that a lot of us might have been having. So I definitely commend all you guys and 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 making sure that you guys had our backs. Um, and I think it was very important to have a voice, and you guys were that voice. It's very nice. We, so. we don't we don't like positive things on this on this podcast though, so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna cut that out. I feel like no, we appreciate that. <laughs> of course. But- yeah, Adam. So, you know, something that uh, came across my timeline here this morning, and I just wanted to get your take on it to see what you know about this was that part of why the UFC and Dana White were pushing so hard for UFC 249 to happen was because of uh, obligations and some things in their contracts with ESPN. Uh, what do you know about that as far as the UFC needing to do some sort of payout and uh, the, what was going on with their ESPN contract? Yeah, there's a lot there, and you know, I, I think this is something we could do, we could do on on other podcasts and kind of break it down. But the UFC does have a deal with ESPN; they owe ESPN the programming. That's part of why this is all going on. But also, Endeavor, the parent company of UFC, has debt obligations, and they have no other money coming in from other sources right now because the whole world shut down. It's it's a whole thing. So I, I think it's a much bigger picture issue that we need to get into. But right now, like like every company in the world, they need revenue streams. And they, they could have got it from ESPN. Endeavor needs to get it from UFC. Everybody has people that they answer to. And this is just a crazy time right now. Yeah. And I, I, I really appreciate that, that you know, comment that you made about the MMA media. Because I don't know what happened or how come the MMA. I didn't follow Luke Thomas's timeline. But a lot of people are pegging his name to things. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's great that, you know, you're pointing out the positive things that we try to do here as MMA media. But uh, Larry also says to tell Adam he's wrong just about anything. So, Adam, you're wrong. <laughs> that's fair. Agreed. <laughs> 
Agreed. All right. So uh, that'll do it for us here today on the RJ Ringside Podcast. Eric Nisik from Extreme Couture MMA, the coach and uh, manager over there at the gym. We appreciate you coming on, Eric, and being a guest of the show. And uh, please uh, let Francis know, you know, he's welcome to come on anytime he wants. And we uh, love what he does in the cage out there, man. Absolutely, man. I, I Thank you guys for having me on. Big fans of you guys. Um, stay safe. You too, man. We will do. All right. So RJ Ringside, you can find us on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast and check out everything that we do on Twitter. Adam is at Adam Hill, LVRJ. I'm at Heidi Fang. And Eric, uh, give us your Twitter as well so everyone can follow you. Any information you want to give out? Uh, it's Eric underscore XCMMA. Perfect. So uh, tweet to him right there. And we thank you again for coming on, everybody. This was the RJ Ringside Podcast. We'll be back next week.